Hoying Dao Zuhao Yichin Boke. Or. Jujing Shizen Yang Dahajia. We're geniuses. Thank you very much. That is welcome to the Final Lap podcast. And also. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> going, so you know it in Chinese, but you don't know it in English. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? I think. <laughs> That's quite correct. Oh dear. Well, when Scotland when Scotland finally breaks away from England and the Chinese take you over, it'll be good that you know at least something in Chinese. <laughs> yeah, that's, more, that's, that's more likely to happen than independent. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Apologies to anybody out there from China listening who was just mortally offended. Yes, yeah, uh, so we probably cursed your uh, your grandmothers a thousand times as sons of goats or something. Who knows? But. Uh, that is welcome to the final lap podcast in uh, traditional Chinese. Uh, you know, we like to keep things real, traditional Chinese, not contemporary, um, as hard as we could possibly make it for ourselves. Um, and since we're bringing you the introduction in traditional Chinese, that must mean that we've just had the Chinese Grand Prix. And well, it wasn't as good as Bahrain. And there is a phrase I didn't think I was going to be saying at the start of the yeah. season. <laughs> It wasn't that good at all, really. I was quite disappointed, mainly because Rosberg never really got going. So, you know, given that I'm throwing all my weight behind me for this year, that kind of bummed me out right away from the start. So. No, absolutely. It was, um, yeah, just not as dynamic as, as any of the other races, really. It's um, a bit sad on that um, on that front. Um, it was, you know interesting to say the least was the, the sort of the teams have nailed the reliability already there was only maybe a couple two or three retirements at most th three i think was in the end um and we're talking about our our 10 cars even going to manage to finish in australia and now mm. two or three races in and they're all bulletproof again what's going on <laughs> but the only thing i can think about yeah, well, yeah absolutely we were promised engine blow-ups god damn it um the only thing I can think about that is that because testing went so badly for the teams in, in terms of the reliability, that that's all that they've worked on. And they sacrificed all the times of putting in the absolute top-end testing of, for reliability, um, uh, sacrificing the, 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 you know, the times that they would be fine-tuning the cars for speed and downforce and all the other bits and pieces. And, and that's why Merck's got such an amazing league, because they knew that their, car, their engine was going to be reliable already. They'd done all their engine testing the season before. Um, so yeah, they could so concentrate on making a better car. Uh, which is cool. good. It's Sorry. as close as anybody's going to get, I think. That's <laughs> probably put it that way. Um, Lewis Hamilton, another pole position. Eight, yes. Uh, and probably his easiest one on top of that. Um, yeah, Nico made a bit of a hash of qualifying, so he didn't really get close. He was going on about how the dashboard... Uh, was giving him a different time than what he thought he was actually meant to be or something like that. So he wasn't pushing in the sectors where he should have been. And then, to, to, to top it all off, he pinned it in the final corner on his last lap. So if Nico didn't get close, nobody was going to get close. Yeah, he, uh, he, he kind of just didn't do himself any favours, really, did he? That was... Uh, uh, a bit of a messy weekend altogether. Yes. Uh, Un-Rosberg-like, it would probably yeah. be my... He, he's usually tidy. Not always the quickest, but very tidy. So it's... Unusual to see him making the making the slip ups, uh, and it rather cost him all, all weekend. 
Um, second and third from Red Bull, who must be excessively pleased that um, they seem to be able to at least still get one lap decent pace out of the car. Um, in, in tricky conditions, once again, we should say. Because uh, qualifying yet again. Obviously, Uncle Bernie has been play, praying to the rain gods after the last couple of seasons. And uh, we've only had one qualifying session with, that wasn't completely piss wet. Red Bull seem to be certainly closer in the wet than they are in the dry, I think, at the moment. So yes. The gap is definitely substantially less. And they seem to be able, in the wet, they seem to be able to be a clear second behind Mercedes, whereas in the dry, it's much more... Yeah, uh, the the commentary, most people seem to be putting down to the fact that Red Bull have still got the best, you know, aero package for yeah. generating out of there. And, it, you know, that's where it's going to show. In a, in conditions where high torque is your enemy, the one thing you want to be doing is be able to go into corners as fast as you can rather than trying to accelerate out of them. So, yeah, in the wet, they've got the, the clear advantage of the field. Um, Definitely. Before we... Uh crack on with the race, just three notes from qualifying. Ricardo qualifying Vettel again. Mm-hmm. Excellent performance. Uh, and Roman Grosjean getting into top ten from the Lotus. Another the, excellent performance. You wouldn't have put money on that, would you? Oh, at all. At all. And outside the qualifying top ten was Kimi Raikkonen, Jensen Button and Kevin Magnussen. So lots to talk about there. What's happening to the McLaren boys? <laughs> well, where do you start? Um... The thing that at least McLaren have got is that, you know, they've always been a good racing team. Um, and so I think they, they they have the ability to turn things around in a pinch. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that they're in a real big pinch. Um, Melbourne clearly flattered them. Um, so there will be other tracks in the season where the McLaren may work well. But Albert Park is a bit, uh, you know, of an anomaly track-wise in the same way that um, Monaco is um, or Singapore is to some extent as well with its very, very bumpy street circuit compared to the <clears throat> the other semi-permanent tracks. So, you know, I'm sure there'll be times when they do better than this, but, you know, sort of China and Bahrain are fairly indicative of most of the tracks one way or other, especially the newer ones. So to be struggling as badly as they did in qualifying and then ultimately the race is very, very worrying. Um, they're not going to get the Red Bull guy Peter Probmeru for six months, I think, until his his contract is up. So until until 2015. Um, so anything they pull out is going to be have to out of their asses right now. And um, hmm, if it's downforce they're missing, I, I, I wonder if that's the area McLaren have been weak in for the last few seasons. It would certainly look. The car looks like it's lacking the downforce anyway. So um, you've got to mention. Fernando Alonso fifth on the grid. Oh yeah, of course. Um, I'm just so used to Fernando outperforming that Ferrari's ability. He's been doing it for three or four years now. So, like I said, that when Massa was getting uh, was was miles behind Alonso every week, I said Massa isn't doing badly. Alonso's just outperforming that car, and it, I think my point's kind of being proven here that he's consistently outdriving Raikkonen as well. And it's not that Raikkonen's doing necessarily a bad job. Alonso's just that good, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I think you're absolutely spot on with that. Um, <clears throat> it kind of, I don't know, It's if you find it so surprising that Fernando was stuck on with Ferrari for so long 
and you know why hasn't he gone to Mercedes Red Bull or even McLaren I mean I know McLaren aren't doing that well but you know comparative to McLaren, uh, to Ferrari a few seasons it's you know it's it's not that different and it's still another big team you find it you know I guess he likes the team and where he is and his the preference preferential treatment he gets which he probably wouldn't have gotten in Red Bull certainly might have might have done if he'd gone to Mercedes instead of Lewis but um on to Mercedes was this season would be tasty like yeah absolutely and they've got a strong driver lineup, so that's not going to happen. No, so. no, absolutely. They've no real reason to replace Nico at this point unless he significantly underperforms for the rest of the season. So I, I can't really see that changing for next season either. Nope, no, no, I Sixth and seventh for the Williams again. Um, I don't know how to rate Williams these days. Sixth and seventh seems these days to be about where they are. Is that disappointing? Or is that really fucking good compared to last season? Uh, you have to you have to be a half a cup half full kind of guy on this one. I mean, what all they've got in front of them is two Red Bulls, two Mercedes, and a Ferrari. They'd have bitten your hand off for that pre-season, I'm sure. Yeah, that's that's true. You have to be philosophical on that one and say that's progress. And if they can keep up that rate of progression throughout the season, then maybe they will be challenging right at the sharp end towards the end of the season slash next season. Yeah. They've certainly brought in a lot of backstage people, haven't they, recently? Yeah, uh, so. done a good job there. Yes, and that's really nice to see, actually. It's really nice to see Claire Williams coming in and, and you know, seeming to get the team galvanised and, and working in the right directions when it so, so easily could have just fallen all apart for her. So that's good. Um, for the race, shall we? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, uh, um, you uh, shouting out to Nico Hulkenberg and... Jev for eighth and ninth, uh, yep. getting the Force India and the Toro Rosso in ahead of the uh, uh, you know both Lotuses, the Ferrari of Raikkonen and both McLarens. Um, yeah, good job by Jev. Good job. I've been a critic of his in the past, but that's a good effort. Uh, indeed. Uh, and so yeah, on to the race. Um, the start was um, it was fairly unspectacular, wasn't it? Really, there wasn't yes, really. Um, you know, Massa, uh, you don't get a lightning start. Oh, no, he did. It was actually. No, it was quite messy, wasn't it? Um, yeah, uh, Massa got a lightning start. Was, Vettel blocked him to the outside in towards the wall. So he did the only thing he really could have done with it. He either had to break or he had to go for the gap. And I think if you're a Formula One star and you have the choice between the gap and breaking and you choose to break, you should give up and go home because... Sure. <clears throat> you're never going to win a race doing like that. I just think poor old Fernando just, it was just like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, uh, no, he, he had to, he either had to hang it out in the corner, uh, which he probably wasn't going to do, or just take his natural racing line. And I'm sure he thought that as Vettel was already moving back in again, slightly, because he wasn't going to go right, right on the outside of the line. Um, that the gap he was pulling was already uh what's the word I'm looking for here? Constantino and getting smaller. Um but yeah it rather uh popped um did it pop Massa up in the air, didn't it? Not Alonso or was it did it pop Alonso up in the air? I can't remember now. Not hundred percent sure. One of the two of them got popped up in the air. I think uh I think it must have been Massa. I think Massa got popped up in the air a little bit. 
There was a second uh, shunt as well. Shunt's maybe a bit of a an overuse of the word there, but um, Rosberg tapped uh, Valtteri, and Rosberg had a crap start and dropped down to seventh place, which is the lowest a Mercedes been in a long time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was not good for me as a Nico Rosberg fan, and this is the problem, you know, the Lewis out front and Rosberg having a bad start down at seven, really right away. On lap two, you kind of thought, oh well, unless Lewis breaks down, got this in the bag. No. For me, and so right away on the first couple of laps, you couldn't get into it. Surely. I guess the only uh, thing it proves is that. Um... If they have a bad day, you know, get caught out in qualifying or something like that. So long as the race starts dry, <laughs> they really still haven't really got anything to worry about. Because he was back up to the front within 10 laps or so. I think I'm sure it was. He made a pass right away on the, on, was it Hulkenberg? Uh, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting to see actually just how quick the map could be going through the field. And like you said, yeah, it was. They did the job, didn't it, in pretty, pretty unspectacular fashion. Uh, yeah. Um, I think at this point we found out that um, Rosberg's car had lost all of its telemetry back to the pit lane. Um, so they had absolutely no idea what was going on with the car. On his little uh, PDA in the front of the, the dashboard, he was having to... Uh, <laughs> read them all of the uh, fuel flow and uh, fuel consumption bits and pieces. Um, and th yeah, that was kind of it, really. It, it, there were a few passes at the back, but pretty much everybody was fairly in station to the first round of pit stops, which, I don't know, did you get the feeling that the first pit stop started really, really early in the race? or? Uh... Yeah, it did, but I think that was kind of expected. It's always been quite a funny track for tyres, is it not? Remember Weber coming from like 18th to get third or something a few years back? That's yeah, true. So I think it was always going to be quite a, a tough time on the tyres. So it was fairly early, but I don't think it was overly early. Well, I, I only mentioned the pit stops really on basis that the first major incident of the race was... Um, Poor old Felipe Massa, um, failing to uh, get well, on the tyre. Well, then, Brenda was mentioning in commentary that it could have been because of the the first the first corner incident that he tapped along to. It seems funny, doesn't it? I mean, I mean that certainly has a ring of truth, doesn't it? But usually, if you if you're thinking it, something's tapped it so hard that the wheels shunted on the rim or something like that. Surely the suspension's got to be broken as well, isn't it? To to take all of because those the suspension isn't designed to take um, those kind of horizontal loads, are they? It's supposed to go up and down. It is not supposed to duck into the car at all. So um, the thing that I noticed about that pit stop, and um, it might be worth looking on YouTube again and seeing it, seeing it for a replay, but I thought what it looked like is that they brought out the tires. And that actually the back tyres were the wrong way around? That's, somebody mentioned that. I can't remember who it was. It might have been David Croft on um, his Ask Crofty thing on Twitter. I think he did say that that was initially an issue. And then it just escalated to the fact that they just couldn't get on once yeah. they had 
um, sorted that. But I'm pretty sure Crofty did mention. That yeah, I, I thought I saw the guys at the back start to put it on and then go, "Nope, this is the <laughs> this is the right tire. Give me the other one." And then they were like, "Oh fuck, okay, yeah, you can have this one." Um, <laughs> and then yeah, the 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 wheel nut just didn't go on. Um, uh, but it was a terrible, terrible bit. I mean, he was there for so long. Right. I hate watching that game of thing. I just like I feel so bad for the guy. It's just painful. Especially sitting there watching people go past it. It's the most embarrassing thing that can happen. Especially in the pit. Shot of stolen on the ground and watching everybody just drive by. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. Especially bad in the pits. I think Wendy. Uh, oh yeah, well, I'm yawning so much, Sean. <laughs> Long week. Um, it's especially bad in the pits when you you pit in from somewhere quite high up on the grid. And then you, people who you know were behind you on the, you know, in everything, so were at least 20 seconds just because of the way that the grid spaces out the cars, appear at the same time as you and overtake you in the pits. And you're just thinking, oh, God, I've just seen I've just seen Marcus Ericsson in the cage room go past. Well, <laughs> fuck. That's <laughs> it. Then, isn't it? Um, just an interesting little note. Uh, Sergio Perez is making a charge from outside the top 10, looking to the top 10 around lap 16. Uh, and uh, Perez and Button, who were two, Button obviously, and the McLaren expected to be doing better, and Perez expected to be doing better after his podium in Bahrain, were battling over 14th around this time. So. And, and did so pretty much for the whole race, really, wasn't it? It was just a story of... Um, they did not have good weekends, Sergio, and, and the, both the McLaren boys, really. Um yeah, not good, not good. Um, interestingly, uh, Vettel in the pits first ahead of Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, correct me if I'm wrong. Session, did he not? Or did... did he overtake him? I wasn't sure whether he just. But Ricardo ended up staying out two or three laps later. Did he not? Because I think they initially were trying to two stop Ricardo. Uh, yes. That was the initial plan for Red Bull. So they brought Vettel in earlier, strapped on a set of the mediums, and uh, we're going for a long stint, a long middle stint, whereas I think they wanted to split the strategy slightly and put Ricardo on a longer first stint. So they kept him out maybe three or four laps, two to three four laps longer, something like that. And that obviously led to the incident around midway with, uh, with Vettel and Ricardo when they came together again on track. Because they were on allegedly different strategies. <laughs> you, you, you sneezing me, yawning. Um, yeah, we had uh, it was about lap twenty-four, so it was um, well, about ten laps later. Um, Ricardo had caught up quite quickly to the back of uh, Vettel, really, um, and he had the he had the message. Um, Daniel is faster than you, or whatever it was. Didn't really hear a reply to that. Um, and then um, Seb asked which tyres Daniel was on, uh, which he told he was on the uh, same prime tyre. And we got to, I actually, to be fair, I, I, I kind of was just like, yeah, okay, I can, I can do it. So Vettel came back with tough luck, end of message. Um, brutal, but uh, you still there, Sean? You gone mute? Oh, sorry. 
Um, yeah, I like that from Vale. I thought that was cool. Uh, I, I've said before many times I don't necessarily dislike Vettel that much. It's the team that I hate. And this is one of those little things that uh, Vettel's done that just makes me go, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't It wasn't the same as Multi-21 where there was some kind of agreed thing. Do you know what I mean? He was just like... Well, uh, if we've, you know, if he's pitted a couple of laps later, but he's on the same tire, surely we're racing. So why should I let him pass if we're racing for the same place? Um, yeah. This is a world champion saying, if you want pass me, come get some, and I like that about him. I like that. And uh, I think it differed from the Williams one, where it was in the last few laps, where I still think Felipe should have pulled over at that point, um, because it's later in the race. But right in the middle of the race, I, I think you know up until the point where he was told that they were on different strategies um then you know, you know he's he should be entitled yeah okay I'll, I'll take the risk of coming in earlier and we'll we'll see how that works out um but indeed sure. they 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 radioed back to say that um daniel was on a uh did he say they were on it he was on a two-stop or a three-stop i can't remember well, they initially looked like they were going to put him on a three-stop, a uh, two-stop, sorry, by, was it, I can't remember if it was, which way it was around, which one, one of them was going to be on a two-stop, one of them was going to be on a three-stop, and the point was that Vettel ended up also being on the three-stop, so they ended up being on the same strategy, uh, so obviously they were racing because they weren't on different strategies, they ended up being on the same strategy. But they initially tried to split the strategies, which is why they, they wanted them pass, but they, they found they couldn't because the tyres just wouldn't last. Yeah, um, it seemed quite strange. Um, no, it's very unread bull-like, because they're normally quite spot-on with the strategies. And they usually stick to it, don't they? It's not a, They're not ones for changing mid-race or anything like that. Um, but I do think, I think, I think you're right that the tyre deg caught caught people out um in quite how much it was falling off eventually um especially the front lefts look ang looked angry all race oh, pretty yeah. much from the moment they bolted them on so i think that just caught them all all by surprise about how much they were they were killing and the marbles were much worse than i've seen on any other track the straight was just ridiculous except for lewis whenever the radio came he was like yeah those are fine Well, <laughs> <laughs> good down here at the front no problem <laughs> can go all day that's what happens when they give you a bulletproof car, eh, Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like what he's been getting the last few years. Um, yeah, um, not much change really, other than... It, it didn't. It was it was very much. I mean, people. We got. We pretty much had to wait until um, the sort of late thirties before we got the 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 next round of tires before things really started to change, and it was really then that um, Nico Rosberg headed off in front of people and um it suddenly became very clear that uh daniel ricardo was gonna hit finish ahead of sebastian vettel by um you know sort of some distance yeah he got past him obviously after vettel not wanting to let him pass he did get past him he had too much speed and then the really strange thing was he just pulled away there was nothing there was no fight back from vettel at all even when they were on very similar tyres towards the end of the race. Ricardo was pulling away at, you know, half second a lap, to the point where he ended up about 20 seconds clear by the chequered flag, which was really surprising, more than anything else. But Vettel couldn't go with them. It really seemed to be, um, it seemed to be the case that 
just Daniel just had the car under him. Yeah. Um, is that how slow or is Daniel just really quick or what? Uh, and then it's a tough one to answer. It is. Um, I, I think it's that Daniel has probably been driving looser cars more recently than than Sebastian has. Um, and he's used to all that. Ah, that's, a, that's a good theory, yeah. Uh, and so I think he's better. He's possibly better about managing um, the power than Sebastian has, who's had four, you know, four or five seasons of just pretty much being able to bolt it into corners and bolt out of it again, knowing that the car is going to stick. And now, with all the traction control and you know uh, the lack of all the blown bits and pieces that they had, it's just finding it tough to really plant the car. Um, I think that's an excellent point. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see as they develop. Obviously, if Red Bull stick at the re the the aero is the thing, you know, that they concentrate on. It could come back to Seb, but they've really got to improve the the raw pace, and that would again seem to suggest that if Daniel's handling the car better now, it's a, he's going to continue to handle it better if, if their main focus is is power and not, you know, not aero because they're they're so much so ridiculously slow on the straights that oh they were they were the slowest of the whole field, like slower than every single other team, including. Sauber and fucking Caterham and whatnot. That's just not good enough. <laughs> like, I, there's focusing on aero over engine, and then there's just been that. It's a whole different level of slow. It's surprising how they could be that slow, quite frankly. <laughs> well, how it, I think you have to be making a conscious effort to be slow, to be that slow, you know? But it's not good enough. But surely they'll improve. They can't go to tracks like Spain with a long straight and uh, Texas it's got a long straight I think. There's so many these days it yeah, was uh, it was the thing that people were putting into the tracks with these ridiculously long straights and and usually two long straights as well you get the the home straight and um, at least one other really long straight possibly leading you know leading into a corner into the uh, long straight so you end up with the two bits where you're suffering the most on the track right after one another so you just can't defend you've lost all the time in the first straight and then you get onto the longer straight and it's just like well what was the fucking point because everybody else is just gonna breeze past me it's fine last year when they're running when they're getting pole position every race and they can they can dominate from the front of the field but it's not so bad if you've got downforce and you can carry the speed you know you can be faster into the corners and therefore you're faster out of them faster on the acceleration faster on the loud pedal so you you've pulled back the gap that's going to be lost by the person who can get up to a higher speed than you um and again you you can break later into the next corner so you effectively shorten the straight by having more more downforce in that sense but they just they don't have the advantage in the downforce compared to the engine so it's just it's not working for them right now in that sense. Yeah, they're getting caught in the midfield and then that's where they're exposed with <laughs> lack of power because they'll just get breezed past on the straights. Talking about being caught by the midfield, um, uh, I've found even more love in my heart for Kamui Kobayashi um, unlapping himself in the <laughs> catering against... Yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> I just think that's absolute genius. In the same way of Lewis Hamilton unlapping himself in the in the Merck a couple of seasons back on him. Um but from a caterer, who was just like, oh, yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> just duck down the inside of the four-time world champion in your caterer. Whee! <laughs> He's not going to do anything for me whatsoever. I bet he was it. making that noise in his helmet when he went past. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
no telemetry or not, um, Nico was able to prove the pace of that American uh, managed to get past Fernando. Really just a matter of time. Oh, the big battle then was can Fernando Alonso hold on for a podium for Ferrari, which would be uh, very welcome. With uh, Ricardo, the fastest of the two Red Bull drivers as we've come in, the man chasing him down. And he really was chasing him down, wasn't he? He was um, taking big leaps. Uh, but he started to take big leaps out, and then I think the the Ferrari strategy rather paid off in that Fernando being slightly on his own <coughs> had allowed him to save his tyres somewhat and a bit of fuel so that when Ricardo started, he, he did a couple of laps where he closed the gap down to about five seconds and then Alonso was just able to just turn up the wick a little bit and he was only losing sort of a tenth or two for three or four laps, which, you know, which then kind of meant that um, whilst Ricardo was close, despite, you know, he was taking life out of his tyres and all the other bits and pieces and fuel just trying to catch up, whereas I think, you know, Fernando had saved enough to be able to make that, that stay that gap. Uh, yeah, I think, I think if push came to shove, Fernando probably had a little bit more to give. Yes. If Ricardo had gotten to within a second or whatever, I think Alonso probably had a little bit more to push and there's just managing the gap effectively like a man of Alonso's class does and he, he took it home safely for fourth eh, sorry third and a, a good podium didn't expect a podium this weekend so I'm pleased by that no um, possibly the most surprising podium after uh, Sergio Perez's maybe I, it was, uh, I don't think anybody expected Ferrari to be on the podium within the first three races uh, of the season um so that's a that's massive achievement. Does. That's exactly what Alonso does. That's what he's been doing for years. He, that car's probably sixth, seventh, and he's dragged it three or four places further up just by being, being that damn good. Yeah, absolutely. Right finishing there. Yeah, he did. Uh, Lewis and Rosberg, as we've said multiple times, just a, a class of their own. Nobody was touching them to out front. Lewis in particular. Great drive. Just didn't have any trouble start to finish at all, did he? No, no. He had one tiny little off just as his medium tyres were sort of coming Not to it. the end. Yes, yes, no. Yeah, that was it. Um, um, fourth, Red fifth, Bull. Red Bull. Uh, they can't be unhappy with that. Um, it's more points on the board for the team. Sebastian they can maybe. Hmm? Sebastian might be unhappy. Well, of the order of it, but I, I, I guess that's probably true. But as a team. As a team, yeah. You know, they, they've got to be any, anything between sort of third and sixth is, you know, where the team is on a track-by-track track basis, probably. Um, Perennial top six contender, Nico Hülkenberg, sixth place. <laughs> Again. Always there, isn't he? <laughs> or he puts it in the, in the points, even when it would seem that maybe the Force Indies and the McLarens were not at their best track. Um, but Terry Bosses started seventh, finished seventh. Solid. Solid but result, but, you know, at the end of the day. Talking about qualifying, Williams can't be too unhappy with that, as far as I'm concerned. Nope. If they are, then they need to... Obviously, it's good that they're ambitious and aiming big, but need to remember where they came from last season, really. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Baby steps, you know, it's progress, and it should continue to come. Uh, Kimi in eighth. Uh, an unspectacular race. Um, it really, wasn't it? Again, you didn't really see much in Kimi. It's been a very sort of forgettable first few races for Reikkonen back in the Ferrari. I'm hoping that... 
I don't know, maybe we'll get some new aero at Catalonia or something that will improve the Ferrari speed and we'll see a bit more from Tony. Well, he's come out in the press recently and said that he thinks that the new Formula One doesn't suit his style of driving. Um, so he's learning to do things a little bit differently. So, okay. uh, you know, maybe his first season won't be great, but the, I, I think, you know, second latter half of the season, let's see where see what he's doing compared to uh, Nando and... And you know they, they'll have another season together after that, and I think that one could be very interesting if you know if it if it all starts to fall into place for Kimi. I would be surprised if anybody, any teammate in the entire Formula One, gets a better result in a Ferrari than Fernando Alonso. He just seems to drag that car to where it shouldn't be. And even if you put Lewis in Kimi's spot, if you put Seb in Kimi's spot, I think Fernando would still outperform him just because. He just seems to be able to do things in that Ferrari that nobody else could. Fair enough, Massa couldn't, and you thought, oh, Massa's not as good a driver as, as Alonso, so that's why he can't uh, do it. Kimi Raikkonen has got to be... End of last season, though. Yeah, maybe. You know, but Massa was picking up points where Fernando wasn't, when, except when he wasn't getting told to move over. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But that's interesting. We'll, we'll see where it goes. We'll see how Kimi... As he settles in, starts to close the gap. Uh, I think when we start doing the European races proper, which is pretty much after Spain, I'll be interested to see how he's, you know, with a bit of testing and all the other things, see where he's where he's truly at with the car. Yep. Sure. Uh, Sergio Perez, we, you know, had a terrible qualifying, but he managed right, to, yeah. to get into ninth place. Uh, didn't see very much of what was happening, so he obviously was making the time up um, in and around the pit stops because he didn't really see very much overtaking. Um from anybody really apart from Nico um, and uh, of course got to give major credit to Daniel Kvyat 10th uh, place another points finish uh, was that um, 2 out of 3 races what? Uh, is it the 3rd or 4th race I can't remember it's 3 out of 4 I think <laughs> 3 out of 4 if I've been saying the 3rd race I apologise but yeah okay so 3 out of 4 races that's a pretty impressive rookie season by anybody's standards um, you know, it's difficult to say with the Toro Rosso because they they lurch from having a decent car to uh, having a poor car. So, you know, it's hard to you know compare them to say an Alguersuari or a Bawemi or um, a, a Scott Speed or <laughs> um, Sebastian Bourdais um, because some of those drivers just had a car that wasn't was never going to get you anywhere near the top ten in a race, um, and other drivers, you know. The, the car was better. You know, last season's car was better for Boemi and Jev. Um, not Boemi and Jev, sorry, Ricardo and Jev. Um, and it, it's it's proved to have improved this season. So um, that's a good point. Where was Jev? He was 12th. He split the McLarens who were 11th and 13th, which is the third that I mentioned next to get your take on, take on that. Well... Um, that's pretty much where they started and finished, wasn't it? So, uh, it was clearly where they were at the moment. This track, however you want to put it, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what the team are going to do. I don't know where they're going to pick up the pace from quickly enough. Um, Aero isn't something you, you can just easily bolt onto the car and make it work as it's proved them in the last couple of the seasons where they've not been able to improve the car in that way while still having a, a you know a decent engine in the back of the car. So, yeah, 
it could be a very very tricky season um like i say i think other tracks may suit them more uh you may see them up the grid in some of the more of the european races which are more bendy and less straighty and less reliant on downforce in the sort of fast corners uh but there's there's not hundreds of those races so <laughs> where you know they're going to pick up the points is i think is going to be a bit of a dice roll um yeah, it's not fun being a McLaren fan at the moment, but I have faith that the team has the ability to turn it around. Whether they do or not is, you know, maybe something else. But I, I just can't see the team not pushing forward. Um, I think by the end, you know, by a few races from now, they'll be at least up with the Williamses and the um, Force Indies, I think, because I think their rate of development will be higher than those two teams. So even if those two teams are doing well now, uh, I wonder how fast they can keep progressing to keep themselves up at that part of the grid. Um, so I yeah. think I think they can at least get back into maybe dicing it with the Ferraris if the Ferraris are going to be the sort of um, fifth, sixth behind the uh, Red Bulls and Mercedes, generally. Um, I think that's possible. Whether they can do much better than that this season, uh, yeah. yeah, don't, don't hold me it's on that one. Fun fact for the Chinese Grand Prix, Fernando Alonso has completed every racing lap ever held in Shanghai. <laughs> that's that's a pretty cool fact, this isn't was, it? This was the 10th edition, so Fernando Alonso has completed every lap of the Shanghai Grand Prix for 10 years. That's, that's very good. impressive. Excellent effort. Yeah, so that was that was the standings. Uh, oh, well, actually, one thing we didn't talk about was that... Um, Lewis said on the penultimate lap, I just got the chequered flag. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. And we all went, did he? <laughs> and they all drove around and did another lap and stuff. And Kumui Kobayashi overtook uh, Jules Bianchi on the final lap. Only he didn't, because if the if the chequered flag is dropped for a racer crossing the line, that is officially the end of the race. There is no do-overs. Um, regardless if everybody carried on at the same pace and all the other bits and pieces and they were counting the laps right if the checkered flag falls that's it, that's it. so the race was uh, rolled back a lap which meant to the, all the pushing that Kamui did to get ahead of Jules Bianchi uh, although it wouldn't have made any difference because they've all had 13, 13th places both of the teams um, rather sadly was for naught in the end um, <laughs> yeah, well indeed after unlapping himself and obviously you know pushing because you know it's got to be hard to motivate yourself at the back of the grid. You're only racing with, with three other cars, one of which is your teammate. Um, it can't be all that much fun. So to have had a, a race where you've chased down for the whole race, you know, somebody else get in front of them and then have it taken away must have been rather gutting. Indeed. Also, just <laughs> just notice something that I want to point out is that I don't think throughout this entire review of this Grand Prix and it's probably a sad indictment of where they are that we've mentioned Sauber. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. They're not good. They're not doing well at all. Adrian Sutil retired. No surprise there. And uh, Gutierrez 16th ahead of the KTMs and Marussias but thoroughly unforgettable. And Massa finished ahead of him. And Massa lost <laughs> him. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And just also Roman Grosjean after his excellent qualifying 
was the other driver not to make the... Uh, uh, I felt very sorry for Roman after... I, I feel sorry for him too. I'm a big Grosjean fan these days. After last season, I thought he was excellent. And I just hope he gets a car underneath him to show that he can be a good Formula 1 driver. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that leaves us with the driver's points totals down here. We've got 79 for Nico, 75 for Lewis after uh, four races. Uh, so that's that 25-point lead that uh, I'm sure Nico thought he'd probably be protecting quite well has very much vanished, um, yeah. which is good. Um, I think it would have been a bit of a shame in a way that if, if Lewis hadn't caught him up quite quickly because uh, it leads to the spectre of team orders being implemented a lot sooner than um, they probably would have. Uh, I think Nico really needs to to beat Lewis in Spain. He, he yeah, he has to, doesn't he? he really, he's rattled. You can tell he's rattled. He's normally so calm and just Mr. Nice Guy in that, but he's, he's he's saying things and you're coming across a bit more aggressive, a bit more angsty. Lewis turning up and what essentially is Nico's team. Nico's been here since as soon as Mercedes took over, mm -hmm. and Lewis has turned up and has started hammering him every week. So. He's not too pleased. I mean, even when the King Michael Schumacher was his teammate, Rosberg was still beating him every week. He's still the guy. He's not anymore, and uh, he doesn't like it. <laughs> and I like I like that he doesn't like it. I think, I think Nico needs to get a bit more feisty, a bit more aggressive, and hopefully we'll see more of what we've got in Bahrain. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's so difficult now because you've had a good race in Bahrain. It's kind of difficult to look at the tracks and go, yes, this is this is going to be a good one, this is going to be a bad one. Because I think you're just going to throw it all out the window, really, apart from the ones that are always generally traditionally pretty good races. So your Spas, Canada's, uh, Silverstone generally is pretty good. Um, yeah, what's it going to be like? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see what the... Um, uh, Austrian Grand Prix is, is going to be... Of course, yeah. Because um, that's a really odd track. Have you seen? Have you seen what the layout of the Austrian? Yeah, there's hardly any corners. It's... I remember, I remember that... playing it on like Formula One 2002 on the PlayStation ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. <laughs> you kind of wonder who that um. Who that's, that's gonna good. actually be good for because doesn't look to me like it's got all that many high-speed corners in it. Which means it's probably not a great Red Bull track. Um, no, that's true. But I guess, yeah, I guess we shall see. Yeah, yeah, I Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's what? There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven corners? Maybe, maybe nine if you were being very generous about the sort of kinks around the... the um, middle of the track, but they'll be taking those at nearly flat out. I would have thought, even even this year, um, acceleration zones certainly. Uh, I think they, I think it's labelled as having eight, but I'd really say there were seven corners in there. Uh, anyway, we're jumping ahead of ourselves there, really, aren't we? In a little bit. Yeah, I'm um, sure we have a really good, uh, a really good about that when it comes up. Um. <laughs> Driver of the race? Um, There's only really one, isn't there? But it's getting a bit boring to give it to Lewis. 
That's not who I was going to give it to. I was going to give it to Fernando. That's who, that's who I was going to give it to, actually. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, it's all about doing the unexpected, and we kind of all expected to for Lewis to win and Rosberg to come second. So you're looking at who's done the best out of the rest, and yeah, Fernando clearly did better than everybody else. Um, in difficult conditions, you know, qualified well. Um, got caught in tr trouble and not really of his own making and still got his car through um stayed ahead in all of the pit stops when uh, you know it could have been i think he was helped somewhat that the red bulls rather squabble squabbled between each other so that um probably helped him a little bit but still it was just mightily impressive to be taken that that ferrari to third uh in a in a in a race competitively i agree i agree um I kind of want to give a little shout out to Hulkenberg, really, just for <clears throat> again. Pure consistency, isn't it? Yeah, he's putting the force into it in a place where you now expect it to see. You expect to see his name around that middle of the points. Well, uh, he's close to. He's, I mean, he's fourth in the standings. He's only five points behind Alonso, who's third. He's ahead of Vettel. He's ahead of Ricardo. He's ahead of Button. He's ahead of Magnussen. Ahead of both the Williams. He's ahead of. Considerably ahead of Kimi Raikkonen, who I've just realised is not doing good. No, no bad times for. <laughs> I didn't realise he was that. I didn't realise he was that low down in the standings. Uh, no. Um, uh, yeah. Good effort from Hulkenberg. Really good. Uh, it just, you know, it, it's showing again that the consistency is the, you know, is the key to getting things in Formula One. It's there's. The professor Alan Prost, you know, had it right, isn't it? It's just if you score the points you need to win the championship, you don't, you know, if that means coming second in every single race, whilst three or four other people win all the other ones, then come second every race. You've won the championship. You've done the best job compared to everybody else in the season. So what if you never stood on the top of the the podium? You were, you know, you did the best in every race across the season. I mean, if Lewis gets a DNF next week in Spain and Rosberg wins the race, Rosberg goes nearly 30 points in front of Lewis in the championship. Yeah, everybody's talking about Lewis. So, I mean, it's, but look, Rosberg's finished every race in the top two, so he's still top of the championship. That's it. It's going to be a funny old season. Consistency is going to be key. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lewis could win, what, Lewis could win like 10 out of the next 12 races or something, but as Rosberg keeps coming second and then Lewis gets a couple of DNFs. Yep, and you know, and, and Rosberg maybe wins the, the final yep. Grand Prix of the season with its double, double points. points. Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, that. That, that's the reason why double points is such a fucking ridiculous idea. Because if Lewis does win everything else and Rosberg comes second and he ends up 49 points behind Lewis on the final race, Lewis gets caught in a shunt a stupid <laughs> shunt by somebody else that wasn't his fault and gets taken out and Roswell goes on to win, win the G, wins the GP gets 50 points and wins the title by one point everybody will just be like what the fuck what was the point in that yeah it's going to kick off if something does like that happen there's going to be outrage internet butthurt left right and centre yeah uh, so that was oh well um, do we have an idiot of the race not really it was quite a quiet race um <laughs> the Williams pit crew. I, ah, think, I was going to say that whoever's on Max's <laughs> rear tires. <laughs> yeah. Wait, this isn't the left tire. 
Wait, this is my pepperoni pizza. Fuck, shit, get me the wheel, get me the wheel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all you can really think about giving it to. Yeah. The only people that really genuinely fucked up, I think, uh, the whole weekend. Um, yep, pretty much. Yeah, so that pretty much does us for our review of China, which leads us nicely on to the Formula One news. The Final Lap Podcast News. Although I'd have to say there probably isn't all that much Formula One news at the moment. A uh, bit of a... I guess with the three-week break, nothing very much is happening as the teams all go back and try and work their, you know, burn the midnight oil, trying to come up with upgrades for Spain. Uh, so there's not too much going on in the world of uh, Formula One, except unless you're Monsieur Bernoulli Ecclestone, who is currently in Germany, pleading not guilty to bribery charges. Um, I can't get into this that much because I know he's going to get off. So yes, it's not really that interesting. <laughs> it's, it's like watching a soap um, and seeing a plotline that you can so obviously see what's going to happen yeah. in it, and that you just go, "I now might as well not watch this soap for the next six weeks because everything will be everybody will be pretending that they don't know what's going on," and you're like, "I know what's going on. I know exactly who did it. What the fuck?" Um, but yeah, old old Bernie's out there. Um, Say everything is exhausting and stressful, but he's he's he seemed pretty you know cagely positive about how he thought it was going to go, and I I find it unusual that Bernie would be saying that if uh, he didn't think that was the case. I'm sure if if he thought he had to be very humble about exactly what was going on, um, he, that's exactly what he'd be doing, very speaking very. He knows he's getting off as well. Yeah. I think that he seems... probably he's bribed somebody to get off a bribery trial. <laughs> That's probably what's happened. No, I just like I'm not going to put Bernie in jail, are they? So <laughs> he does quite this. Um, he had a uh, bit of a uh, bit of banter with the judge um, and question about it. He said, "Why not? The court, the prosecutors are all nice people, just trying to do their jobs." <laughs> Didn't love Bernie. It's just like. You're never going to get a proper answer out of the guy. He's just uh, how he's not prime minister of a small southeastern country by now that he's just wandered up and just sort of talked his way into running. I, I don't know. I don't know why he's stuck with Formula One. He definitely needs to be some kind of dictator or something. <laughs> well, there's those that would argue that he's in the perfect position. <laughs> um. What else has been kicking about then in this slow news week? Uh, it's a story that. One story I've been following, and okay, yeah, I'm a McLaren fan, so yeah, that's probably why I picked it up. Um, and I don't really know why it wasn't really picked up more. Some of the Sky talked about it. I didn't really see very much on the Beeb about it, but um, McLaren have got uh, Dan uh, Probmoru, um coming in from Red Bull's aero department. He's currently on gardening leave um, whilst they wait for his uh, bits and pieces of the Red Bull to expire. Uh, it always seems really ridiculous, really. If you Somebody leaves from one job to go to another. I think you should be able to just go. But, uh, well, there you go. Um, but they had also signed a guy called Dan Fellows. And he's another part of the uh, aero team at Red Bull. Um, and this had been sort of kind of widely reported a, a little while back. Um, but again, uh, as backroom staff moves tend not to grab headlines, it wasn't 
you know, it wasn't a big deal. Um, but last week, the it was reported that Dan Fellas had gone back to Red Bull, um, despite having signed contracts apparently um, with McLaren. So he he he'd signed some kind of contract with somebody in McLaren, and um, suddenly he's now back at Red Bull on presumably a, a much higher paid contract. Um, and Sky asked Ron Dennis about it, uh, and Ron was very as Ron is wont to be very much uh forthright in saying you know um we all do things and want to race against one another but we always try and do things in a certain way and we feel that rebel have uh you know have not acted in a in a good way or a positive way uh and apparently it is going to court um so presumably there must They're be a court? surely not <laughs> well indeed um I, there must be a signed document somewhere um, is all I can think of because I don't know why you'd take Red Bull to court if you didn't have it. That's right, that's true. Which then makes you think, well, what the fuck were Red Bull doing? Why did they think that they could get away with that? It seems just really bizarre. Once um, again, Red Bull thinking they can get away with things? Surely not. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. it's hard to listen to the story and not just take a, a complete sarcastic tone. Like, it's just, it's got Christian Horner's muddy fingerprints all over it. Oh, well, absolutely. Um, they line the side of the contracts that Dan Fowler's signature is on. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I mean, I can't wait to see how it turns out in court. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they try and defend themselves. I mean, if McLaren are adamant and are correct in saying that they had a signed deal, then it's kind of like, all right, Red Bull, your move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, Dan Fellows was reported as saying that he'd signed the contract with a specific person in McLaren who was either was no longer there. We must assume Martin Whitmarsh, I guess. But as far as I'm aware, Martin Whitmarsh isn't gone from McLaren. He's not been fired and is, you know, not anywhere. He, he's just back at McLaren HQ doing, I don't know, desk work or something. <laughs> Shining Ron's shoes, possibly. I don't know. But um, I, I haven't heard of, of Martin Whitmarsh going anywhere else or doing anything else so what you know and even on that surely you don't sign a, a contract with ron dennis if you signed up with mclaren right now you sign it with the mclaren group regardless of what happened if they fired everybody tomorrow and you know there was one you know and everybody hired new staff it doesn't really matter that's who you've signed the contract for yeah you still have the contract to work for that company and <laughs> the discussion you know um so yeah, very bizarre, and uh, again, it just I, I don't see where Red Bull thought this was a good idea. Um, they either shouldn't have let him go in the first place, or you just go, oh well, we should have kept him, we didn't. Let's move on. Let's try and find somebody else. Let's get Mercedes engines in for next season, and and try and you know stick with Adrian Newey and get Adrian to find the next two people to replace who we've lost um it's just bizarre really bizarre Sarah's is a good a good choice of work i'm looking forward to seeing how what red bull have to say on this one i wonder i wonder if they'll say oh well we've seen it was a signed contract but we don't think that was really a rule <laughs> more of a just a just a guide <laughs> as to who he should who this man should sign for. well it is it's all a bit bizarre isn't it um what I'm hopeful for is that in some way that McLaren will come up with some ridiculous um, damages claim, like a hundred million pounds, 
and they get it. They go, we don't want the guy now, that's fine. But the damages of us having to go out and do other bits and pieces and other thing has cost us, you know, could cost us this place in the championship, which costs us this much in prize money, this much in sponsorship, this much in lost revenue, blah, blah, blah. Therefore, we would, you know, um, Rebel owe us $150 million, Dr. Evil style. And the judge goes, yep, okay. Because uh, I'd just love to see Dietrich's matches just go, well, we don't want to play in F1 anymore. It's all... It's all shit now that we don't win anything and every, all the decisions go against us instead of for us. Well, I said it last last week, didn't I? I don't know what Red Bull as a sporting brand gets out of Formula One. It, it's just so, you know, they have to win everything, otherwise it's not worth it. So as soon as they stop winning, it just, I don't get it. Um... Otherwise, they might as well quit the sport and just plaster their stuff all over the Caterham and Mauritius and be their main sponsors. What difference would it make? It would cost them a shitload less money to sponsor four cars on the grid and not race two teams for the, the same net result if they're not, you know, they're not winning championships. Just, yeah, do whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. And the only thing I can come up with is to say that maybe just Matt just likes F1. <laughs> well, you know, fair play to the guy. I'll, I'll give him that. He's pumping the money into the sport, uh, which isn't a bad thing. And, you know, we need good teams on the grid. Um, I wouldn't be sorry if they left per se, but <coughs> um, I don't see that they don't, you know, with the amount of money that they've plowed into the sport that they don't deserve, you know, some amount of success from it there. You've gone on mute again, mate. <coughs> Sorry. Um, that's it in terms of new news. Uh, but we should remember that it is 20 years. And that just doesn't even seem real to me. But um, 20 years since the passing of the legendary Ayrton Senna. Um, Anybody who's got Sky, check out the F1 channel this week. There's going to be some... Some pretty excellent programs on there about that. Um, ah, just it's bizarre. I remember, I remember quite vividly the you know the scenes on TV and um, all the news reports. Um, you, you probably won't remember it's the old blue BBC One news backgrounds and stuff with. Um, I can't remember the name of the, the news reporter who reported it, and it was just. It was so strange because the Roland Ratzenberger incident, which I think is very sad that it generally gets forgotten, um, that there was a much more horrific accident than Senna's, really, um, uh, that took a life. But that just just didn't get reported, really. It was... um, And and we were in a much safer F1 in general then. There weren't, you know, driver deaths every other week or anything like that. So, you know, you'd have thought that that in itself would have been sort of more highly used it was very it was very surreal to see all of this major news about Senna dying and it um I, I was I you know I was fairly new to the sport in terms of taking it very seriously um I, I knew some of the names I didn't watch every week or anything like that you know I was 14 at the time it's you know you know you've got other things on your mind when you're 14 generally um 
but I still remember how you know the scale of of what it meant even if it didn't at the time mean that much to me directly um, and it's only really after the fact that it's come to be much more of a loss I think uh, that you feel as an F1 fan um, but I, I don't know how, how do you feel about it because how old would have you been in 1994 uh, I would have been two and a half. <laughs> so you must remember it well then. <laughs> what I know is from obviously what I've seen and learned in retrospect. Uh, so you know I can't I can't share any memories of what I was doing that day or anything like that. But obviously I've watched a lot of Senna uh, in retrospect and. You know, it's, it's not much more you can really say. It's a tragedy, but yeah, I mean, you should. It's twenty years. It's um, use it to celebrate his career and, and and look back on all the good stuff that he did. I mean, that's the best way to to honour him. Hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um. I shall be popping on my Senna DVD again. Um. Such a good film. Have you seen the... You must have seen the Senna film. Yeah, you? I went to Petrus to see it. It was excellent. Um, so yeah, I think a little... A little night watching that in, I think, at some point this week, just to sort of go over it again. Um, it's funny, you just... I'm just trying to think of other sports where somebody's died and it's just sort of kind of ripped the heart out of something. Um, I can't really think of anything particularly. Where one person's had that much, that much influence over. Yeah, it would be it'd be like Messi dying tomorrow or something, you know. On the, the pitch, best in, the best in the world dying at the prime and doing the thing they do. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I guess the only other thing I can think of is possibly um, Dale Earnhardt in um, in NASCAR. Kind of shook the foundations of the, of that sport at the time, but again, that's. It's another motorsport thing. I was just trying to trying to think of a a completely. Yeah, it's difficult to come up with another comparison because you know. <laughs> no, there's very few sports that are as quite yeah. as dangerous, really, are they? Very much, yeah. yeah. Um. Hmm. Again, you start thinking of things like the motorbikes, and don't you, Marco Simoncelli, and 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 things like that. But again, it's all motorsport where there's almost an inherent there is inherent danger in the sport. You know, regardless of how safe you try and make it, it's still ridiculously dangerous um tennis and snooker tend not to be i don't think uh i don't think ronnie o'sullivan's gonna drop down dead anytime soon yeah um killed by a flying pool cue across the from his opponent or something ridiculous um uh you know and i think that's a uh, you know morbid kind of way that's a special thing about formula one isn't it really in that, that it's um it feels very personal, things like that. Um, it's a very... Oh, what's the word? I'm, uh, introvert's the wrong way, but it, it's so focused, isn't it, on on the track and the drivers and the cars. I think that's what makes it more... You know, with a team, there's 11 players, and if one, you know, if one player goes to another team or whatever or is injured and can't, you know, can't compete, you know, there's 10 more players that week plus all of the subs and bits and pieces and then the people that you sign and 
and things like that and it just things feel replaceable and just, just formula one doesn't feel like that it doesn't feel like you can just take one bit out and shove another one another thing in and it, and it works quite the same um you get attached more or i get attached more certainly to to things in formula one than i would in another sport mm -hmm. yeah i can see that Um, so that brings us pretty much to the end of the news. Like I said, there wasn't much much going on. So we should look ahead quite a long way. We need to um, stop rubbing our crystal balls, Sean. Um, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, probably. Um, to the Spanish Grand Prix on the 11th of May. Another 14 days. Dear God. Um, as we are speaking, 14 days, 14 hours, 46 minutes and 15 seconds. Um Shall we play our game? What yes. does track layout look like? Spain's what an easy does... one. An easy one. Uh, it looks I... like Geodude, the Pokemon. Ah, it does actually, yes. I actually think it looks like a crab. And a crab, yep. You can give you that. It's a crab going slightly to the left. <laughs> yep, no, I definitely can see that. I'm trying to... I always like to try and turn it around and look at it from different angles and see if it, if it <laughs> looks a bit different on its side or anything like that. Um... Yeah. Maybe a cool, um, oh, it, looks, it could be a bottle opener. They all look like that, though. You could say that about literally every single track on the calendar. They've yeah. all got a bit that looks like a bit of a bottle opener. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> which has probably got to be the most sold um, piece of novelty kit that goes on at a, at a race weekend. Um, what else could it be? It could be two snakes facing off across... Uh, a piece of cheese, a wedge of cheese. Okay. Yep. There's a big snake <laughs> on the left and a little snake on the right and the big triangle thing in the middle is your, is your block of Winsleydale. Uh, the snakes like cheese, really? <laughs> well, I, th I think that's why they're kind of, you know, they're not sure whether it's worth fighting or not. That's why they're backing off a little bit. No? What about just one snake? And one head's, one's the head and one's the tail. And, and it's eaten something. Eat something, yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's okay. You you win. That is the best. <laughs> that's the best one yet. <laughs> snake, so, snake that's eaten for pasta maldonado. Like <laughs> he probably crashed into it. To be fair. <laughs> yeah, the snake would spit him back out. <laughs> oh dear. So um, gonna win. Suck it to Catalonia. <laughs> Uh, well, it's the Mercs, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to stick with Lewis because I have, and he's done me proud for the last couple of races. So and I'll say Nico just because. <laughs> um, let's look at it then. If we're pretty certain who's going to win the race, let's look. Who do we think is going to? He's got a lot. Most improved. Who's going to bring the upgrades that moves them up the most substantial? Well, I look at the circuit and I think there's only a few high-speed corners. It looks like there's a lots of tricky trickier corners it could be maybe mclaren with a few upgrades that they say they've already got in production could turn up and well, i mean they've got the most to gain in a way so if they jump from 11th and 13th to fifth and sixth on the grid say that would be a massive jump in and of itself so um i'd probably stick my neck out and say mclaren just because i think it's they're the most likely to have brought significant upgrades to improve the car um, could be Ferrari's day. You, you never know. It could just turn out to be um, 
It would be hard not to improve that McLaren significantly after the last couple of weekends. No. But in a way, you compare, comparative to the Mercs, you could all say that, really, couldn't they? Um, even your Red Bulls. They're still a second and a half behind the, the Mercs at best. Um, uh, which one is the Spanish Grand Prix? Because it's Barcelona, isn't it? It's not Barcelona. Yeah. Barcelona. I always get confused between... Because they used to do both, didn't they? You had the European Grand Prix, which was... That was in Valencia. Valencia. Sorry, not Jerez. Fuck, can I do that every season as well? <laughs> Christ. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know who won last year? Was it... Oh, no, because we had a few different ones, didn't we? Um, uh, I don't remember. Um, Alonso in his Ferrari. So... Oh, Miss Ferrari again this year. Can they bring some upgrades and, uh, and and maybe maybe have another good weekend? Let's hope so. Interestingly, mm. Red Bull hasn't won there since 2011. So, but the interesting thing is, what does it finish last time? It was Ferrari, Lotus, Ferrari, Rebel, Rebel, Mercedes, Force India. <laughs> um. So if you replace Fernando and Kimi with Lewis and uh, Nico in one of two ways, could you could still have Felipe third, Vettel fourth, uh, fifth won't be Mark Webber, but could be Daniel Ricciardo. Um, yeah, it could be, could have a, <laughs> could be something that's not not too dissimilar in order. Um, hmm. I'm interested to see what the Williams do. Ferrari have won the race more more than anybody else ever, so uh, it be interesting to see if they can have, a, have another good weekend. Interestingly enough, Mercedes won the race uh, in 1935, <laughs> so it'll be their first victory in Spain for the best part of 80 years. Whoa. Well. That that kind of has fate written all over it, doesn't it? Really, in a lot of ways, sort of seventy years from their first, from their last one, two, and all of those bits and pieces. As we, as we know, though, Maldonado won this race in twenty twelve. <laughs> so what odds you can get on happen. that? What odds can you get on that this year? And Maldonado, being Maldonado, and in that Boggin Williams, it was slow. So two things. Two shots there. Yeah. No one expected the Williams to win a Grand Prix. No one expected Maldonado to win. Well, that was two seasons ago, though, wasn't it? It wasn't last season. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, no, the Williams was two years ago, admittedly. It wasn't as bad as last season. <laughs> no. It was still it was hardly a world beat. It was hardly getting points every week. So. No, uh, shocks can happen, but <laughs> I don't think there will be. No, no, it's it. Merkin will see. Uh, we'll see who's made the improvements. I think. Uh, I'll be looking for Fernando Alonso to, to get best of the rest again. After trying out, optimistic that Mando can can grab third again. Yeah, yeah, we'll be well, be interesting to see. I wonder if we get some improvement from Kimi as well. It would be nice to see them dueling on the track rather than uh, being separate by a couple of places each time. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely get to see the uh, uh, how the new boss of Ferrari handles um, two feisty drivers on track. Oh, of course, yeah. You didn't have much to do. <laughs> nope. So. Just kind of did itself. 
I feel a bit. I feel a bit like he was in a bit, bit in the position that Ryan Giggs was for Man United, really. Yeah. In the, it was just like comparison. It, it just kind of happened, you know. The, the, the fired Moyes after a, a couple of difficult games, and then the new manager got Norwich. They're like, well, okay. <laughs> um, you know, and they <laughs> this guy got to take over. You know, happened to be at a track where the Ferrari was doing all right. So it's like, yeah. Doesn't it make it look like we've made the right decision? Let's <laughs> just wait and see how it goes. A few games, for, a few games down the line for Gibbs, and a few races down the line for Ferrari. And then we'll, then we'll wait and see. <laughs> mm, absolutely. So I think that brings us nicely to the end of the podcast. Uh, we're running about, uh, about an hour-ish, probably by the time I've um, edited out all the uh, <laughs> coughing and yawning and sneezing from us. Um, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Uh, we very much value you taking your time out of your day to uh, stick on and listen to us witter on about Formula One and give our opinions bits and pieces. Um, we're still hungry to hear your opinions. So, you know, we'd like you to get into contact with us. Uh, and there are several different ways that you can do that. You can contact us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and it is The Final Lap Podcast. Very easy to find us. Just stick it in the search part of Facebook and you know, you'll come across us. You can contact us on the Twitters, which is at Final Lap Podcast. Um, we'd love to hear your comments on our episodes, questions and, and ra raising points for future episodes. That would be really, really good. Um, Obviously, all of our uh, episodes are hosted on modernfanatical.co.uk. Uh, and you can also subscribe via iTunes. Uh, the feed is up and working. Uh, so all the latest episodes are coming out now on that. So uh, you don't even have to uh, pay attention to anything at all. And it can be dropped straight down onto your machine of choice um, to listen to as and when you want. Um, if you feel like getting in contact with either one of us, re Retrobates. Uh, retrobates? It's reprobates, isn't it? Not retro <laughs> retrobates. Uh, I don't know what that even is. Fuck it. Uh, if you want to get in contact with either of us reprobates, I'm at Man Called Megs. I'm at Fog on the Fourth. Uh, and we would very, very much like to hear from you uh, and hear your opinions on us, Formula One, or whatever takes your fancy. Yeah, I'm always rambling away about every kind of sport on there, so if you're a sports fan in general, not just F1, come and get involved. Darts. Your fucking Twitter feed is full of darts. There's a snooker at the moment as well, because we're all championships on the go. <laughs> so, so there you go. I tend to talk about wrestling in uh, Formula One pretty much. Oh, and computer games. Actually, that's you'll see all my stupid computer game videos coming up from YouTube if you subscribe to me. It's good stuff. Um, so again, thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, and we will be back. Um, should we do a... Well, it's probably not worth doing a podcast next week, is it? Because fuck all have happened. We'll be in London as well. Oh, that's so. a good point. Yes, me and Sean are meeting up for a piss up in London. So if you're in London on the 7th and you see a, a Scotsman and an Englishman staggering drunkenly through King's Cross, that will be us. <laughs> dragging dragging Dean Glass around with us. So if you hear oh, somebody drunkenly <laughs> shouting, how's it going, everybody? That's Dean as well. I've got to spend four hours on a train with him. <laughs> in the quiet compartment. <laughs> <laughs> No chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dean's got no chance of being in the quiet, quiet compartment. <laughs> Be chucked out the, to the train before you get to Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, thanks very much for listening, everybody. You'll probably hear from us in two weeks' time when we will be reviewing what's gone on, I suspect, at the Spanish Grand Prix. Thanks very much, guys, and we'll see you soon. Cheers, bye.